Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 19th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 64, last paragraph, starting with resentment is the number one offender. Today's readers are Rebecca, Judy B., Julie R., and Sylvia. The reference number for Sunday, August 8th, is 4972. That's 4972. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois to read the 12 steps, please. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Julia E. to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. This is Julia E., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
you. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminded us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Julia E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 64, uh, that last paragraph on the page that starts with resentment. And I will ask Rebecca to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, We have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves, why were we angry? In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, Our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. 
so we were sore. We were burned up. I looked back at um, just a couple pages back where we were reading about how um, we stepped on other people's toes and they retaliated and um, we were the actor trying to run the show. And this paragraph that I just read reminds me uh, that, um, yes, we have resentments. Even sometimes at first when we're new to this, we're doing our fourth step inventory, and this is just the beginning, and um, we're not necessarily quite in touch with the fact that we have resentments. We think we're kind of blinded um, often by the truth about ourselves and uh, living in denial. And um, the, those paragraphs that kind of get us in touch with how we're the actor trying to run the show um, remind me that um, people don't do what we want them to do and institutions don't always act the way we want them to act. And um, then if we get stubborn and try to dig our heels in and get people and places and things to operate the way we want them to, they um, retaliate and then we get resentful. And so um, I found that especially with the people closest to me, my parents, my spouse, my children, my siblings, uh, they were the first ones to go on my list um, because I was in constant conflict with them in some way, shape, or form when they didn't act the way I thought they should, and I was burned up, and I realized that by just following the simple steps as they're outlined, these instructions, just making a list column by column and um, trusting in the process. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So we're ready to take some action here. Ready, actually, ready to take some action. It says resentment is the number one offender. It destroys, destroys more alcoholics than anything else. So we must. We're, we were told prior that we have to get rid of these undamaged and saleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. So this is the number one offender. And what is a resentment? You know, the origin of the word resentment from Latin. Sentir is to feel, and re is to do over again. So a resentment is something that we feel over and over and over. And in fact, we don't, we don't view it as a documentary. What we do is something that happened in 1985, we replay it, and we start to think of ourselves being a little more innocent. We start to think of them being a little more guilty. We skew the story so that we look better and they look worse. So really, in 2013, is what happened in 1985 torturing us? Or is what torturing us the fact that we have been replaying it over and over and over? And that is why it destroys us. 
I mean, we were told back on 27, when we do this transformation, it says ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of these lives of these men, are suddenly cast on one side. And that's what resentments are. Resentments dominate us. Someone might have really hurt us 20 years ago. But we're going to be making a list and realizing that they left. They might even be not, they might be dead. And yet we are deciding to bring this resentment into today. And it's more powerful today than once it happened. So that's why it destroys us. And that's why we have to put it down on paper and get rid of it promptly and without regret. And that what, the one line I want to bring up too, we listed people, institutions, and principles for whom we were angry. You have to wonder if this is where the origin is of, I, of people, places, and things. I have to avoid people, places, and things. And avoiding people, places, and things is human aid. It's trying to control our environment. And as long as everything goes our way, we're going to be okay. But the fourth step is telling us we have to list these people, institutions, and principles so that we can face them and we can get rid of them promptly without regret, which is kind of the opposite of what that fellowship saying is. Control it is what the fellowship is saying, people, places, and things. But what the big book is telling us is we have to list them. We have to get down to the causes and conditions and get rid of them promptly and without regret. Otherwise, they're going to dominate us, which is what I had to realize. It was impossible, impossible to live in 2013 as long as I was dragging the 80s and 90s behind me with resentment. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Sally. Hi, Marcella. Can I share? Um, I heard Marcella, and then I heard someone before you. Was it Sally or Sarah? I'm not quite sure. It's Sally in South Jersey. I think I was after her. Okay. How about Marcella and then Sally? Go ahead, Marcella. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. I'm so happy, so joyous, and so free. I would be blessed to know exactly what's going on and what the nature of my problem and my treatment is. It says right here, resentment is the number one offender. If I knew before that this resentment and this phenomenon in my soul that we feel and we feel over and over again, as it has been explained, is the, the very core of my problem and that a spiritual remedy is needed. The choice of words that I love in this paragraph is that we, when we overcome the spiritual melody, the body and the, ment and the mind get straightened out, which is the opposite of what I thought all my life. I thought that my soul resided in my body, and as soon as my body would be in a normal size, and a normal weight, with a normal BMA, and I could wear fashionable clothes, then my soul would be at peace, and then I would be happy forever. And every single time that I lost the weight, I couldn't handle the responsibility of living in a fit body, because it is a responsibility to be recovered. Responsibility as in an answer, a dialogue needs to happen a dialogue with the world, a dialogue with other people who suffer. Now I know that it's the other way around. My healthy body lives in my recovered soul. That's what I'm so happy. That's what I'm so joyous. That's what I'm so free. And that's what I know what to do with my resentments when they crop up. 
as soon as I get an uncomfortable emotion or an uncomfortable thought or a little bit of anxiety and fear, I know exactly what to do because it's written in this very clear manual of what to do with my spiritual disease. And of course, it translates and manifests in the physical body. If you are just listening and saying, I wonder if this is going to work. I wonder, am I just so broken beyond repair? Am I so terminally unique? I wonder, why don't you just try it? Try it and maybe it'll work. Oh, if it works, what a joy. What freedom. What optimism. What a wonderful vision of our present and our future. And my name is Marcella in the phone list. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Sally, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Sally, recovered in South Jersey. I just wanted to speak to this sentence. Uh, In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. I think this is um, an important sentence for us because a couple of things I see here. One is we are about to drudge up our whole past. And there's a lot of things that when you think about these, these broad terms, people, institutions, principles with whom we were angry. So now we're going to go and we're going to take a look back in our mind's eye at all these horrible memories, things that have been really had ticked us off in the past, and we're basically going to upset ourselves. And we're going to set them all on paper. And, yeah, we're going to upset ourselves because these are the things we have been binging over. These are the, the fuel for the sprees that have been going on. And so when I take a look at this, and I, I just have to say this, um, you know, people take different amounts of time to do this, this process right here, this step four process. And um, I know I'm working with um, different people, and everybody has different sponsees who want to take different time frames for getting through this step four. But I'm really realizing more and more that when you go to this action step of step four, it's just like you're going into a swamp. You are entering into perhaps even a cesspool, something that is just going to be a very uncomfortable place to be in your mind's eye. And when you go into that place, it's important that you focus, get the work done, so you can get out of the swamp, wash off, and move on. I was thinking to myself this morning about these action steps, um, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and how steps four and five are like you are beginning this intense aerobic workout you're, you're going to have to, and it's uncomfortable to be in the really intense aerobic part of it. You know, one, two, and three, while it's not exactly a warm-up because it definitely has a lot of emotional uh, tangents to it, but when you get to four and five, you are now in the aerobic phase of your workout. It's time to move, not sit on this, not sit into the quagmire that you are letting your brain go into. So get to work, do the work. Pace yourself, as we talked about last week. And then think of it this way. You're going to do the work of four. You're going to meet with your sponsor and give it away. Okay, you get to take a few cleansing breaths. Call it Lamaze. Call it whatever you want to call it. In step six and seven, you do take a few breaths. Calm yourself down. And then you go again. You build back up to that aerobic workout again. Steps eight and nine are major action steps that require 
intense energy. And, and then we move into the walk for life, steps 10, 11, and 12, where we are walking for the rest of our lives in this step 10, 11, and 12, which really encompasses one through nine. So I wanted to say that because here, again, I'm just going to repeat the sentence. In dealing with resentments, which are says here at the end of the sentence, whom we were angry, people, institutions, principles, we were angry. So we're, we're drudging up all this stuff. Don't sit in the quagmire. Don't sit in, the, in this process. Do the work. Think of it as an aerobic exercise. Move. Pace yourself. Get it done. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? It's Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Christy. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so we're going to begin to look at the common manifestations of self. Uh, the first one, of course, is resentment. And why am I doing this? <laughs> why am I putting myself through this? Well, because ultimately I want to be governed by principles. I want to be governed by love. I want to be governed by patience. I want to be governed by tolerance. I want to be governed by harmony. Uh, but, uh, you know, love and hate cannot exist on the same plane. One of them is going to have to be predominant. So I need to attend to this resentment. And as was previously stated, you know, resentment is not just anger. People tend to think, um, you know, that resentment means anger. But, you know, if we broaden our perception of resentment a little bit, it's, it was helpful for me anyway. Uh, anything that I am repeating over and over in my mind, you know, to feel over and over, gosh, I wish that hadn't happened. Gosh, I wish I hadn't said that. You know, it's kind of like that type of, uh, that type of um, mantra going through one's mind. You know, it's living in, in my head rent-free. The what if and the if only. If only I had done this. If I, only I had gone there. If only I hadn't said that. You know, what if this had happened instead of that? And, you know, this whole dramatic uh, replay is occurring in my mind. Anything like that, you know, I wish my father hadn't been that way, or if only I had finished school then, or if only I had married that guy instead of this guy, you know, any of those kind of things, things that are living in the head um, that uh, are taking up space, you know, that I will not accept, that I am resisting reality because I wish something had gone my way. Again, we are people who uh, don't deal with reality well, um, and we resist reality, and in that resistance, there is a lot of struggle, a lot of pain, and a lot of resentment, because life didn't go my way. So it says here, from it stem all forms of spiritual disease. Again, the bakery box and the cellophane bag are only a symbol of my estrangement from God, from a higher power. Well, so is this resentment. This resentment is showing me uh, on paper that I am pulled away. I am, I am separated from, from, from God. You know, and we don't realize how many resentments we have and how much they control and dominate our thinking until we get it down on paper. And this part of step four is actually quite mechanical. All I'm doing is what is on my mind. I am emptying my mind. 
And it says here, we listed people, institutions, or principles. People, institutions, or principles. So in the people category, be specific. You know, my sponsor taught me, be specific. Make it personal. My father, my mother, my brother, Hitler, you know, whatever is specific. You know, my old college professor, an old boyfriend, uh, a neighbor, you know, very, very specific. With institutions, again, um, you know, I was angry at a university for certain uh you know, grades that were uh, given to me, the justice system, uh, maybe a political system, maybe, you know, the, the Republican Party, you know, whatever, whatever you're, you're ticked off at in terms of institutions, a church, a synagogue, schools, banks, the police department, you know, very specific institutions and principles um, are things like, you know, uh, you know, everybody only loves uh, thin people. You know, if only life had gone my way, uh, nobody loves me. Only the poor get poor and only the rich get rich, richer, like that kind of stuff. You know, I always get the short end of the stick. Anything that, that um, you know, is a thorn in one side. And just to list this stuff, it's, it's actually quite simple at this stage. We don't write down a whole essay at this stage. This is just a list of people, institutions, or principles that I wish were not true. The what ifs and the if onlys. What is living in my head? What did not go Leia's way? And what a list that will be. Because how can I be free on August 19th, 2013, if I am carrying around 1967 through 1987 on my back, wishing that part of my life had not unfolded in that way. <laughs> There's no freedom there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is, Leia. This is Paula. Bob. Okay, uh, Leah, Paula. Why don't we start there? Leah, go ahead. Good morning. This is Leah. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And this chapter is so in dealing with resentments. I'm just going to reiterate what Sally and Leah have said, uh, just to, because I feel that this is really, really talking to me. In dealing with resentments, I have gone through step one, step two, step three. I thought I was coming into Overeaters Anonymous just to lose the weight. And here we're going, and I'm already going on and on and on, and I'm sort of, sort of in a comfortable zone. And here we go, and I have to list my resentments. Why do I have to list my resentments? Why am I going out of my comfortable, so to speak, zone? I am abstinent. I am abstinent. I'm willing. I'm really giving it over. But I have to continue doing this. And then I read on, it says, we put it down on paper. And I said to myself, I've come this far, and let me just trust it. Let me just do it. And I set it down on paper. And with, um, with that, I, I just want to say that it is, it is the cleansing process, the, uh, the the it it was so it was so huge it was like a stone on my on my on my uh, heart on my shoulder and then when i just set it down it like really really unbelievably set me free and then 
I, I just want to, I just want to um, say that. And and um, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Leah. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive overeater. I'm going to start here. It seems here a beginning from its stem. What is a stem? The principal body of a tree. So this is the principle of my life. From its stem, all forms of spiritual disease. For we, and I didn't even see that. I understood the mental and the physical. I mean, I read Dr. Silkworth. The chronic alcoholic's problem were physical, okay, the allergy, and mental, the obsession. Wasn't that enough? No. It encompasses everything, this disease. Forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mental and physically ill, okay, we have been spiritually sick. Honey, you got nothing to fight with this with. When the spiritual, now this, wait, a promise. In all of this Maya, there's a promise. When the spiritual malady is overcome, look at what it says. We straighten out mentally and physically. Now here we have it. Mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that was what propelled me forward. The last thing I wanted to do, honey, was to write it down. Once you write it down, you got to really see it. I didn't want to see it, but I wanted the promise. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. You know, we look at the word anger, and it says a violent passion, excited by real weight or supposed injury. Resentment to irritate, restless, irritable, and discontent. But then it goes on, and it goes on. We asked ourselves, there it is. Now it's on paper. We can see why we were angry. Look at each line. I don't know how to do this. Wait. Stop here. Why were you angry? It In most cases... It was found that it was our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burnt up. I never even saw it. You see, I lived it. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Well, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And... Um, there are some really powerful words here, really powerful words in this, in this paragraph. And uh, the one that jumps out at me, you know, the passage that jumps out at me is um, it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. It destroys, it destroys. I mean, it is the demise of someone like me um, to absolutely destroy me from its stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So, you know, it's true um, in my case, you know, having gotten to this point, I have, I have gone through steps one, two, and three. Steps one, two, and three. So I have put the food down, which I had done a thousand times. I, have, I had put the food down a thousand times. 
but my goal and the goal of recovery is to keep it down, you know, to keep it down, to keep it down through all life has to, you know, throw at me, including the stuff that's in my brain because I've got a disease that wants me dead and it will settle for me being miserable. And this is just one way that happens. You know, my disease will remind me, you know, that I stole Debbie's bracelet when I was in the fourth grade and I'm 53 years old. And those are the kinds of things that will eat away at me unless I deal with them. You know, unless I have dealt with those, you know, you know, my, uh, you know, my, the greater aspect of my disease, which is my mind. I mean, it's telling me here that this will destroy me. This will destroy me. And what that means for me today is that it will lead me back into the food. I will pick up again unless I take care of this stuff. Unless I take care of this stuff, it will eat away at me until I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. And the only option I have left will be to eat over it. You know, um, so when I got to this point, when I got to this point in, you know, my inventory, um, you know, I always wanted life to be about me until I got here. And then I didn't want life to be about me. I didn't want this to be about me. But it was. It was about me. It was about my inability to cope with life except to pick up the food. And what couldn't I cope with? I couldn't cope with, you know, the way I felt about other people or what had been done to me or how I perceived that life was unfair. Um, you know, there were thousands of things that went through my brain and resided in there that I was more than, you know, happy to recall so I could eat over them. And so what this is telling me is that, you know, I will be destroyed by that sort of thinking. That sort of thinking will destroy me and that I need to put it down. You know, I'm someone I love to make lists. Um, and this is telling me to make a list and clear my brain, as other people have shared. Just clear it out. Clear it out. Get, a, you know, get rid of the stuff that isn't working for you anymore. Get rid of it. I mean, what an incredible thing to do. It really is such an incredible opportunity. Clear out the recesses of that brain of yours. And um, you know, when I did that, I... You know, I've not found it necessary to pick up the food again. And I worked through my fourth step in December of 2001 and have not found it necessary to pick up the food again. And certainly that came with working the rest of the steps. But, you know, I, I, did, this with, I did this with everything I had, with everything I had. And certainly keep it clean, you know, one day at a time since then. But... You know, it was just, it was so freeing to me to just get rid of all that stuff that wasn't working for me anymore. It wasn't working for me anymore. And it says here, it guarantees that it will destroy me. It would destroy me. And I didn't want to be destroyed. I did not want to be destroyed anymore. And with that, I'll pass. Um, is there anyone else who'd like to share on this particular paragraph? I thought I was a bob. Um, Bob, and then who was after Bob? Dana? Okay, Bob and then Dana. Go ahead, Bob. I'm Bob, a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Um, and a couple things as I read this paragraph today, and I've been in the program 21 years, I have a different perspective uh, on this uh, now than I did certainly going through four steps and uh, the steps in the past. And one of the things that hit me today is uh, – uh, that I need to really think about is is one of the resentments that I had really about my about me was I resentful of myself 
Um, so that's something I want to explore. The other thing, uh, talking about the spiritual disease, and I certainly did not have this awareness when I was going through the steps originally, but I do believe that God only gives me so much energy, and the question is, how do I use that energy? And every resentment that I have uh, that is uh, taking, it takes up uh, negative energy and takes away from the energy I could be putting into my recovery. Um, and the other thing that hits me is that the resentments also create a wall between myself and my higher power. Um, and when that happens, uh, I don't, I'm not able to listen to my higher power. Um, and when I can't hear my higher power, then I can't do this program because I cannot do this program without my higher power. So to me today, when I think about this, um, it becomes simpler for me at least in terms of that to carry around a resentment is preventing me from having from working this program with my higher power. And I can't do that. I thought I could, and my ego tells me that I can do it alone, but I know I can't do it alone. And it took me about seven years into the program to realize that God cared about everything about me, not only what I ate, but everything about me. And I had the beautiful uh, thing happen to me about, I don't know, seven, eight years into the program, and I was in a meeting, and a woman talked about writing letters to God, which I had done, but then she talked about having God write a letter back. Um, and I've been doing that in my daily exercise for about the last 13 years. And that puts me in touch with my higher power, and sometimes my higher power tells me I need to deal with this resentment or that resentment that I'm still carrying around. And the one that really came up for me recently um, which is very, was a very powerful one for me to deal with in the past, but I, it's still coming back, uh, is my wife uh, has a bipolar disease. And uh, that ex started in 1970, and I had a lot of resentment of, you know, about, about that, and I thought I had dealt with that. Uh, but recently it came up again, and what I'm able to do today in terms of looking at that resentment is I'm not resenting my wife, I'm resenting the disease. And I think that's helpful in terms of not putting the blame on another person, but to deal with my resentment against the, the disease and deal with that. And I, and I need to do that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Bob. Dana, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, my name's Dana, uh, recovering compulsive overeater on the East Coast. And uh, I am writing as... Um, as we're talking here about um, page 64 with resentment being the number one offender. Um, and this is such a, a common defect uh, among us. This uh, constant turning over and over and over, it's like a, um, a tape that plays over and over. Um, and I'm actually doing a, a ten step as, um, as the meeting is progressing and uh, listing some things I've been resentful at um, recently and also praying that I will uh, confront these resentments and let them go. 
for me, the answer is uh, to live in forgiveness. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to that part because the resentment is very uncomfortable. Um, And as I'm listing in the four columns, I am getting in touch with my character defects of uh, insecurity, vulnerability, uh, desire to control. And uh, I'm just struck by how this this reading just um, it's like uh, the nail hitting it right on the head. It it just really points out the the problem of resentment. So even though uh, this is a hard thing to confront, there is a solution uh, which we'll get to later on. I think uh, on page 67. So uh, it's very, very comforting stuff there coming up. And I want to thank everybody for their honesty and uh, insight. And that's all for me. Thank you, Dana. Judy B., let's move to the next paragraph, please, on 65. Good morning, this is Judy B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? We were usually as definite as this example. Would you like me to go on with the example, Christy? You know, why don't, Judy, why don't you just go through uh, Mr. Brown, go through that first example there. Okay. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown, the cause, his attention to my wife, affects my sex relations and self-esteem, fear. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown because he told my wife of my mistress. That affects my sex relations, self-esteem, and fear. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown because he may get my job at the office, and that affects my security and self-esteem and fear. Um, So I'll just talk about uh, Mr. Brown. Uh, Essentially, um, we can see that if uh, what someone else does uh, affects how we feel about things it affects our own um, self-esteem, our security, our um, sex relations, our, our personal ambitions. We 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 have you know bad feelings for them, and we um, and we blame them, and we usually don't look at our own part of it. And uh, that's what this um, fourth step is is uh, given us for, so that we can look. We can look at uh, what we're feeling and why we're feeling it, and we can um, eventually look at our part and see what um, you know what what we have uh, done and, and caused it. And so, right now at this point, we just need to make the list um, of the the people that we have uh, resentment toward, the cause, and how it affects us. Um, and I did want to mention from the last paragraph that um, 
It said we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. And this list does talk about mainly people. And uh, in the beginning, I just didn't understand or realize that this included institutions and principles. And and that is where, uh, after working program for, for a while, I found that many, many of my resentments were. I um, somehow... Early in program, I, I, I was so dishonest and so um, unsure of of my feelings that I I just couldn't I couldn't put my uh, my attention on the the resentment that I felt so, towards certain people. I just covered it up, and it took a lot of work in uh, in program to um, to uncover those feelings. And yet my my resentments toward institutions and principles was strong, very strong. I could just, you know, it's so much easier to blame um, a hospital or a school or an insurance company than it is uh, to put the blame on an individual person. And, and I just ran away with that. And um, so I just think that this part of... Um, of the program, this part of uh, step four, where we list our resentments, the cause and what it affects is just such an important part of our growth. You know that we that we need to um, we need to pay attention to it, and and it really really is helpful if we have someone to guide us through this, so that we can um, we can overcome our own our own um, for me, my own dishonesty, it was really helpful to have somebody help me with that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sherry. Uh, let's see. I heard Sherry. And then who else? Um, you know what? Why don't we start with Sherry, and then I'll catch the other people. I'm not catching those names. But go ahead, Sherry. Uh, thank you, Monica. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Um, still love this division for you. Um, uh, you know, when I when I did my fourth step, um, I I didn't list principles and institutions, and um, my sponsor <clears throat> suggested that I do that, and so I did another fourth step, and I didn't realize that. That, that my feelings were that every institution uh, was out to get me, that I would always be wrong and I would always be guilty. And so, you know, even, even my church, my, the, um, the pastor there always called me Brenda. And I'd been going there for probably five years and, uh, and, and <laughs> You know, and I resented him for that. But when I looked at my feelings and, you know, my part, I had to see that he he has several, several members of that church. <clears throat> and I am not the only one that he forgets my name. And it was like, oh... Oh, so it wasn't him. It's me and my need for 
you know, some decent recognition or something, you know. And so it made a big difference in my fourth step to list every crack and cranny that that came along in my life from a young age, every institution, every, you know, and, and like Leah said, the, the police department, you know, the school. I was, you know, other people got the attention and I was just the one in the background, you know. And, you know, maybe that's my personality is I feel better, safer, whatever, uh, with being, uh, you know, a few steps back behind someone that, that, you know, can maybe run the show better. Maybe I'm a worker and I really feel like I am. You give me the list and I'll do it. Um, and so what's wrong with that? I, I just got a lot of clarity in, oh, in my, my, uh, my sick head. Uh, anyway, I, I'm just real grateful this morning and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. All right, and then other, who else would like to share? Amy and Sharon. Okay, I think I heard Amy, Leah, and Sharon. Was there an Amy? Yes. All right, Amy, go ahead, and then Leah and Sharon. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road. As we read in the beginning of this chapter, how it works, you know, we have to work it. If you're willing to go to any length, you know, this is what we do. If you want what we have and you're willing to go to any length, and, you know, as we read in the prior paragraph, you know, what is our issue? It's a spiritual malady. And what is our remedy? A personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So what do we have to do? We have to take vigorous action on looking at ourselves. Because remember, our food, our eating, our vision was but a symptom. We had to get down to causes and conditions. And they're saying, hey, folks, number one are these resentments. And I love when it says, you know, sore and grudgeless, because when my sponsor said to me resentments, I really was not clear. I didn't really understand. And she said, what burns you up? And boy, did I get that. And then the list began. That grudge list began. And it is. It's just a list. It's not an autobiography that starts the day I was born and takes four years to compete, complete. I just started writing down the list. And when I got to this affects my part, I struggled some. I had to be honest with you. I had no problem writing down I'm angry, resentful at, or I obsess about such and such a thing or person. And trust me, I had no problem putting down the cause. Well, why? Because, you know, so-and-so hurt me. So-and-so did this. So-and-so did that. But then things started to come to a grinding halt about the effects of mine. Sometimes it came out and I could understand. Other times I, had to, I struggled. And my sponsor, as others had said, it's so important to work through this with a recovered sponsor. She said it's okay. Just keep making the list. Keep writing it down, people, places, and things, and we will work on the effects of my part. And after a while, a pattern started to arise, started to be revealed about what those things they were affecting and what my true resentments are. But I had to be willing to go to the length to do that and to look at myself. If I was going to have this personality change, if the problem was truly me and it was up in between my two ears, me, then I had to look at it. This isn't to minimize the hurts and the, and the terrible tragedies that, help, that happens in our lives. And at some point at an appropriate time, we will grieve those hurts and we will give them to God and we will deal with them. But right now, what is the most important? That I stop killing myself 
was shoving the food down my throat. And if I don't let go of those resentments, then I will never be able to have the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. This is why we got to work really hard about steps one, two, and three, because we remember we are turning our will and our lives over to the care of a higher power. So when I reveal these things, when I open up myself, I have to trust this process, particularly with those who have gone before and recovered, saying, here's the way out. It's going to be painful. We're going to work through it as fast as we can. Be as open and as rigorously honest as you can, and we will be through this before you know it. But you've got to be willing. And you write down those grudges, you write down those sore spots, and you work through them, and you start to see how this program works. This is the beginning, folks, of the transformation. And I don't know about you, but I wanted that more than anything in the world. And all I had to do was be willing to put it down on paper. Was it perfect? No. But I got it down on paper, and then I trusted my sponsor to guide me and to give me clarity on what it affected and to trust my higher power with the rest of the process and the rest of the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Leah, go ahead. Leah, can you press star one to unmute? Sharon, are you online? Yes, I am. Why don't you go ahead, Sharon, and then we'll catch Leah in a minute. Okay. This is Sharon Christie. Uh, Good morning to you. Good morning to all. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm a little hoarse, so please bear with me. A couple of things I'd like to point out. First of all, if we look under the cause, his attention to my wife, told my wife of my mistress, Brown may get my job at the office. Now, these are details, but they're not excruciating details. They're major details. They're not a story. They're not a book. They're not a, going into, they're not a time to rehash. They're just little statements that give the specifics of the resentment without going into all of the details. Because quite frankly, Mr. Brown may have caused resentments over and over again over the years. He may have been at a dinner party and he may have done this, that, and the other. And there may have been a Christmas party and he did this, that, and the other. And there may be suspicions in your mind that he did this, this, and this, and this. So you could go on and on and on for some days listing all of the specific details and circumstances under which Mr. Brown caused resentment. But that's not what this is about. This is about causes and conditions. This is, if, if a guy, if, a, if Mr. Brown causes you resentments with an S, and there are some specific uh, situations and circumstances under which those resentments appear. But you don't want to go into excruciating detail because we, we're in a race against our disease. And the longer we spend in step four, the more time our disease has to catch up with us. We want to get through step four so we can get on with our recovery. And uh, so many people get 
stuck in step four. They get stuck. I've seen people just nitpick at step four. They go into every, we want to go into every nook and cranny, but you want to pull out those things. We are, when we go into step four, we have to remember three major things. First, that we have a disease, that we are powerless over our, our food, our lives have become unmanageable. Okay, that we've had an unmanageable life, and, and we're being told that this is what we have to do to get to manageability. So we remember that who we are is an addict. We, number two, we realize that we're not our higher power in step four. And step four in itself is not our higher power. We go into our step four armed with our higher power. Our higher power is like our searchlight. Our higher power is with us in this step. And it's not getting every little detail that's going to bring us to manageability. It's pulling out those major things, those major problems. It's surrendering to our higher power. It's accepting our higher power in our life that is bringing our recovery. It's our willingness to pull those things out. But when we're in step four, we're continuing the process of developing our conscious contact with our higher power. We are there uh, not alone. We are not alone in step four. We have our higher power and we have our fellowship. We have our sponsor and our, and our uh, fellows who are on this boat with us, who have gone before us, who are going with us, who are coming up behind us. We are not alone. We are armed with our fellowship, with our higher power. And so we can do this. And um, it, and because we're getting down to causes and conditions, you don't need the de- the minute details. You need uh, what you have. And number three, we have turned our lives over. So when you go in there, this isn't all about you because you've turned your, your life over. You've turned your will and your life over to the care of a power greater than yourself. When we go into fourth step, it's scary. But if it's the fear that's the greatest in our mind, it is a sign to us that we are not trusting our higher power. Step back a moment. If you're afraid, go back to step three, grab your higher power with all of your might, and then dive back in and do this work and do it. And if you get into fear, that's not higher power, that you're out of order, get back to step, grab your higher power again, take a deep breath, and dive back in. And my, my sponsor, when I was doing this, would say, okay, you're, you're getting overwhelmed. You're getting into all this fear. Let's, let's step, uh, take a day, and let's work on our step three, one, two, three again, and then let's get back in this again. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And Leah, are you available now? Yes, yeah. Go ahead. And we'll, I'm sure we'll revisit this tomorrow. But, you know, on our grunge, grudge list, 
we said opposite each name are injuries. So now I'm pushing through this. You know, obviously column one is the list of people, is the list of institutions, the list of uh, principles. Now I go to column two. You know, why am I angry? What is bothering me? Why am I upset? You know, uh, this is my opportunity to write that down. However, uh, you know, it can be done in shorthand because this is the least important part. You know, this is the least important part. What's going to be more important here is when I start with column three here, where I'm starting to focus on how am I responding to life? How am I controlled by how I am reacting to life? That's where it's going to start to get really important here because I'm not focusing on the people. I'm focusing on how I am responding. This self-centeredness is the root of my problems. You know, these drives that are being um, being provoked and irritated are blocking power from coming into my life. And this victimhood gives me power from these resentments. You know, so this was a wonderful opportunity. You know, column one, column two move through very, very quickly. Starting with column three, it does require some courage and perseverance because I'm taking responsibility now. It was time for me to start taking responsibility for my own thinking, for my own behavior, because I could no longer afford to blame these things on other people. Because if I continue to blame on other people, then I'm continuing to let other people control the way I think control the way I act, and control my life. And, of course, we know it's a spiritual axiom that whenever I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. So the big book is very brilliant and simple here. It's starting to steer me to see what are the drives, what are the instincts that, um, are, out, that, are, that are out of control. You know, that's the way I saw the world, driven by a self-centered perspective. So I'm going to begin to take a look. I mean, everybody has these drives, drives for security, drives for self-esteem, drives for personal relations, drives for sex relations. Everybody has them. They're handed out to everybody when you arrive on this planet here as babies. They're raw, instinctual drives. No one escapes these drives. They're, they are raw forces that give us the energy to propel us forward as, you know, as human beings. But they have gone out of control. They are not controlled, and they are beginning to destroy us. I like to think of it as utilities. Everybody needs water for for bathing and for cooking in their home. Everybody needs uh, fire for cooking and for heating of their households. But if you have too much water, you get a flood. And if you have too much fire, well, you know, you, you uh, burn up in flames. So, so what has gotten out of control here? And this is so important that, uh, you know, with the courage and the perseverance to push through, because every day we procrastinate and put off step four, it's another day that we are restless, irritable, and discontent. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Julie R., will you please read a vision for you?
Julie, can you press star one to unmute? Real slow. Hi, this is um, Julie, our recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditations what you can do each day for the man who still suffers. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.